don't make decisions well. I don't ha I constantly change my mind. I force her into things. I was several people I go to for guidance. My therapist, my pastor. God. I usually talk to my dad. Honestly, mostly I would go with my mom. I mean, I'm just be honest through Google sometimes. I think I stick to my gut, but I'll consult everybody just to know that my gut isn't crazy. Where I go for guidance is in the Bible, in the Word, in the church. Some things that you can't get from the street. My friends, because they're kind of going through the same stuff as me, I ask people that may have gone through the same thing, like ask them, like, what would they do? Uh, eeny, meeny, miny, mo. What I used to do was a coin flip. I have a pros and cons list I always make. That's a good one. I just wing it. Don't overthink about it. The longer you think about it, the more you're gonna stay in that same position. I usually think about them for a really long time and then cry about them. I like to think that I make them rationally <laughs> most, uh, most times. Often a nap is involved. <laughs> Gut. Yeah. Really, that's it. My wife sometimes, you know, she, she's smarter than I am, so I may go to her for some advice. <laughs> <laughs> I like the girl, she said, I cry. <laughs> well, good morning. Welcome. I'm Pastor Tim. So glad that you are here this morning. Um, past few weeks, as we've been going through these videos, um, I try my best to put myself in their shoes. So like, for example, if you were walking on the road, walking on the street in New York, and someone came to you with a camera and said, hey, I have a bunch of questions for you. Like, I'm like, okay, how would I handle that? And if a lot of those questions are very, I mean, a lot of those questions are hard. Like we've been asked, what is Jesus? Um, if you were to talk to God, what would you say to him? What is faith? What is prayer? And for the most part, as a pastor, I, I think I would do pretty well with some of those questions. I hope that, at least I hope so. I feel confident enough to know that I would at least be able to give some answers. And then I'll get this question, where do you go for guidance? And for me, it'd be a little bit more difficult. I don't know why. I don't know what about this question stops me more than asking the question, who is Jesus? I don't know what about, I think part of it is growing up, not having a lot of people in my life who provided guidance. They probably provided, they provided guidance in the opposite way, where they provided guidance that I shouldn't take, more than I should take. And so I grew up with not a lot of support system in that capacity. And so for me, that question, where do you go for guidance, should be an easy question. It should be an easy, some of you guys have a list. You guys, have, you guys would be able to answer that question quickly without any problems because you guys have people and things you go through for guidance, especially for easy things, especially for easy things. For example, if we were going to get ice cream this morning or this afternoon, and I gave you the option of chocolate, vanilla, or strawberry, most of you would be pretty quick to say which one you like, which right? How many are vanilla people? How many vanilla people? Okay. How many chocolate people? Oh yeah, there we go. How many strawberry people? Right? Okay. Oh, there's a lot less strawberry people. If all three, there we go, that was quick too, that's easy. Now let's say, let's say we were to go to Ginny's. Ooh, and I said, let's go to Ginny's. Which ice cream are you choosing there? For example, they have brumbleberry crisp, brown butter, almond brittle, gooey butter cake, darkish chocolate, salted caramel, salted peanut butter, lemons and blueberry parfaits, skillet, cinnamon roll, cookies, Coffee with cream and sugar, cold brew, cream puff, banana cream puff. You see where I'm going with this? A ton of options. That's only like a few of them. How much more difficult it would be to make a decision based off this many choices compared to your strong, confident, oh yeah, chocolate. You see, in life right now, we have a lot of choices. 
There is a lot of things that you guys go through. There's a lot of things that you are choosing from. Just in the grocery store alone, there is 48,780 different items to choose from. 48,000 items to choose from, and that's just the cereal aisle. Like, that's like, have you seen the cereal item? I'm telling you, man. Like, I, I cannot remember a more, like, crazy time of going to the grocery store. Like, for me, my favorite grocery store is a small, like, just, uh, there, we had a Walmart marketplace. It was just a Walmart, but for groceries. And that's all it was. There was no extra things. It was just groceries. And for me, when we think about those choices, whether we're choosing our ice cream, we're choosing what we're going to wear this morning, breakfast, or when we go to the grocery store, one thing we're hitting with is a lot of choices. And some of those choices we make, we're confident in. But some of those choices are difficult. I read a book a few years ago called um, Divine Direction by Bra- Pastor Greg Groeschel. And it's seven decisions that will change your life. And he has a quote that begins the whole entire book. And it says, you are one decision away from changing your life forever. Mm. One decision away from changing your life forever. You see, every day we have a choice. Every day, the choices we make make up the story of our life. And your life is a gift. Your life is an amazing a blessing from God. It's said that the two greatest days of your life are the day that you were born and the day you find out why. And I love that. Because for you and for me, every day you are put in front of you a choice to make. And some of us, I think the average adult I read said is 35,000 choices a day. It's a lot of choices that you are making a day. Some of us, we make a lot less choices, but for some of us, we make more than that. And for me, when I read this and I think about this quote and I think about what we go through in life and your choices you make, one of the things I want us to understand for me to begin this conversation is I want you to know that God loves you. It's the first thing, God loves you. Because the reason why I want to start that out is because I want you to understand that your life has a purpose. That your life has a purpose. It has meaning. You are not an accident. You are here on purpose. You have walked in this gym on purpose. God has loved you enough. He wants you here for this moment right now, this time, this season, right now, to make the choices that you are going to make. I love what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2. It says, for we are God's masterpiece, created anew in Christ Jesus to do the good things that he planned for us long ago. I love, I want to make this personal for you guys. I want you to understand this. For you are God's masterpiece, a work of art, a poem. You are God's masterpiece. You are created anew in Christ Jesus. You have good things planned before that he planned for you long ago, the good things that he planned for you. He designed you with the purpose. He designed you with the reason. You are not useless. You are not worthless. And I know at times it may be frustrating and you may feel like that, but he loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you. You have a purpose. Don't waste your life. I start this out because I want you guys to understand that. Don't waste your life. If I can, if I, as a youth pastor, one of the one things that I want to leave students with and I want to leave you with is this, is that your life can make a difference. Your life can make a difference, which means the choices that you make can make a difference. And sometimes we do worry about this. I get it. We do worry about this, and I understand um, I'm not a worrier. I'm very positive in my life. There are very few things that I get stressed out about. There are very few things that I, that I worry about, um, but there are times where I do worry. 
And I know some of you are in this room are, are, are like, not that, that you, are, you worry about everything, every choice, everything you do, you are a worrier. And I get it. It's so hard not to worry in today's world. It is so hard not to be concerned about, are you making the right choice? Are you doing the right thing with your life, with your choice, with your job, with everything you do? You, it's, always, it's okay to worry. It's part of it. But I want you guys to understand something. He's created you for good things, for good things. And that doesn't mean that we're always going to do good things. Okay, and we catch that. We don't, that doesn't mean we're always going to make the right decisions. There are times when we are going to deliberately ignore what God is doing in our lives. For me, when I was 16 years old, um, I wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to be a math teacher. And in the summer of between uh, my sophomore and junior year, I went to church camp. And in that church camp, the speaker all week spoke to us. At the end of the week, he said, hey, there are students in this room that are going to be pastors of the church. And at that moment when he said that, I felt that knocking on my heart. God, I responded to God. I stood up, went to the back of the sanctuary there, and I prayed with one of my leaders, and I accepted my calling into pastoral ministry. At 16 years old, I knew from that point forward, my calling was to be a pastor in a church, specifically for students. And so I did whatever I could from that point forward to pursue that calling and when I went to go apply for colleges, one of the things that I did in colleges was obviously chose a Christian university that I could be a youth pastor in. And there comes a point on the application, there comes a point when you're applying for college, and it says, mark your major. You know, what major do you want to study? And I put mathematics. <laughs> but mathematics, and then I thought, no, I need, you know what, no, I want to be a pastor. So I put Christian education as well. So I, so I started college, double major in, in mathematics and Christian education. And soon in that, First semester went through, second semester, and I realized God was, God again was knocking on my heart saying, are you sure? You accepted his calling when you were 16. You've done everything you've done for the past three, three years to pursue me, and now you want a backup plan <laughs> of mathematics. <laughs> and I knew that in this, I knew it was wrong. Like, I knew when I wrote it that I shouldn't do this, but I wanted to make sure that I had everything settled just in case it didn't work out didn't work out. You see, we have a role to play. We have a role to play, and sometimes we will make mistakes. Sometimes we won't get it. But I want you to encourage, I want to encourage you, because in this moment, as we are trying to figure out the choices in your life, as you're trying to figure out, okay, what do I do next? I want you to understand that God is here with you, and he wants to guide you, that he wants to be there for you. Whether you understand who he is fully or not, he wants a relationship with you. And a relationship with him is going to help you in those decisions and those choices that you have. And so how does he do this? How does he guide us? How does he work in us? What is our response? Well, Psalms chapter 32 verse 8 says this. I love this. I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. It's been said he's going to be there for you. So how do we listen to this voice? How do we go along this pathway for our life? How does God guide us? Well, the first thing is, as I'm working through this, as I've walked through this, it's a very simple, very most important thing that we need to start this relationship with, and that's Scripture. That's God's Word, His guidebook for our life. This book, the words written in here, if you are asking the question, how does God guide us? It's through this. Through this. The psalmist says, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. That means that as you are walking, as you are walking, as you're going through this, 
this word is a lamp to the darkness in your life. That is the main way that I have found in the past 15 years of my journey with God, is this is how he speaks to me. This is how he moves. If I ask the question, how does God, God, how does God guide me? This is it. This is the first step that I need in this calling, because I want you guys to understand the calling. So at uh, 16, I was, I, was, I was called in a pastoral ministry, but you have a calling in your life right now. That you also have a purpose in your life right now. And your calling, your primary concern is not about your job, it's not about who you're going to marry, it's not about your children. Your primary calling on your life right now is a relationship with him. A loving relationship with your creator. And then he takes a step further in his word and he says, not only is your primary calling in your life is to have a loving relationship with your God, it's also now to have a loving relationship with those around you. Your family, your friends, your neighbor, your enemies. And he said, those are your, that's your calling. That's your commandment. That's the thing that I put on your life. And we read it through his word. He said, I want you to love this God that's created you and I want you to love the people that I've created. And there are so many different ways we can do that. And if you need help with that, that's what this is for. It gives you insight on how we to love people, the random acts of kindness, the way we show Christ's love, and this is one of the ways. Because there are people out there, and there are people in this room that are struggling. There are people out there in this room that need the love of Christ that we read in this book, and you have a calling to bring that to them. That you have been put on this earth to love those through the words that we read in here. And it's encouraging. I know that's kind of, that's hard. You're like, you're giving me this responsibility. You're putting it all on my shoulders. Yes. Yes, we are. That's, that's my goal as a pastor. That's my goal as a follower of Christ is to encourage the body, encourage you on what this word says. And this word says to love God and love others. And part of the questions, when we ask that question, how does God guide us? When we're trying to figure out how, how we need some help in this, that's simple. That's it right there. To be like Christ. To be like Christ. You see, for me, if I wanted to live the life that I wanted to live, if I wanted to live the life of my passion and my desires, I would be a very angry and selfish person. If I wanted to do the things that I wanted to do, if I wanted to, to like the things I care about, it would be all about what I want and all the things that I desire. Honestly, if I'm being real with you, if I, wanted, if, I was, if I was following everything that I desired and all of my little, like, inside passions of my flesh, I probably wouldn't like a lot of you. <laughs> because I would have judgmental, very skewed, negative perspective of people. I would not like a lot of us. Because if I followed my own desires and my own passions, if I was guiding my life the way I wanted to guide my life, there would be a lot of problems in the world. Just being honest. Just being honest. And so how do I see that? I see this through this word, through scripture, that tells us we're to be like Christ. We're to be like Christ. We are to love like him, care for people like him, to reflect him in the things that we do, things that we say. And there are certain things that, it's, that we don't need um, answers. There's things that we don't need to pray about. I'm going to say that because there are things that we just, we just know the word of God that we just know. There's a quote that says, if, if you want to talk to God, pray. If you, want to, if you want him to talk to you, dig into the scripture. I love it. If you want him to talk to you, if you need guidance in your life right now, listen to his words. 
Because it says he has good things planned for you. Paul writes that, like I said, like I read earlier. He has good things for you. And so how do we listen to this more? So we obviously have scripture. We want to listen to God's word. We want to listen to this. How do we do that? And the second thing is through the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit. To be a Christian is to be led by the Spirit. To be filled with the Holy Spirit. He comes to live in our hearts when we accept who Jesus is. And what's really cool about the Holy Spirit is that this is the voice of Jesus. This is the voice of God. And it takes a little bit of time. We're going to be digging into the Holy Spirit next week. We're going to ask that question, who is the Holy Spirit, next week. But I want you guys to understand, for some of us that knows the Holy Spirit, that understands the Holy Spirit, you understand that it's difficult to listen to the Holy Spirit sometimes. It's hard. Sometimes we don't fully understand it. We don't fully understand him. We don't fully hear him. We don't recognize his voice sometimes. You see, uh, Becky and I, we moved here. we've been here now in Columbus for a year. Um, and one of the things of moving to a new community, if you've ever new, moved to a new community, is that you receive phone calls from people you don't have the number saved for, right? And so I'll get a phone call with the number that I don't have saved, and I'll pick up the phone, and it's, hey, it's John here. Come on, there's like five Johns. <laughs> okay, so like, I'm like, all right, so John, okay, John, um, okay, and I'm working through this conversation of like, okay, which John is this? And through the conversation, hopefully, um, if I'm not asked who, what John, I've, I've figured it out through the conversation. But I know... And if Becky were to call me, one syllable, I would know her voice. Just one syllable, I would know exactly who's speaking to me, regardless of caller ID or not. That right there is what it's like. There are times where you may not recognize the Holy Spirit. There are times in life where you may not hear that voice, but there are times in life where he is clearly speaking to us. He is clearly guiding you in the things that he wants for you. But sometimes we don't follow it. And that's my challenge for us. Is sometimes we know the Holy Spirit is part of this relationship with Christ, but sometimes we deliberately ignore it. And I get it. It happens. You're standing in a room with the people, you're talking with a group of people, and there's something that reminds you of something about somebody else. And you, in that moment, you want to share that story with them. You want to say, oh, this person did this. But you hear that knocking, you hear that voice, you hear that feeling from the Holy Spirit. Hey, don't share that story about them. Not with this group. They don't need to hear that. There are other times in your life where it's very clear the Holy Spirit's speaking to you and guiding you and talking to you. And we listen. We do listen. And we understand that. We feel it. We understand, God, okay, you're moving. You're talking to me. You're working in this room. You're doing things. I want you to understand as you pray, as you read his word, Holy Spirit will speak to you. Holy Spirit will speak to you. I love this idea because this means you are not doing this on your own. God has created you. Jesus died for you, and the Holy Spirit is there with you and guides you by giving you this desire to do things. Paul writes to the church in Philippi in two, chapter 2, verse 13, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. He desires you to do good things. When I was 16, before I accepted my pastoral care, I wanted to be a teacher, Right? Before that, I wanted to be a marine biologist. All of this I wanted and desired before I knew Christ. And the moment that I began a relationship with him, I understood, no, my life is, is for bigger things. And I'm not saying that by saying that being a pastor is bigger than being a teacher and being a marine biologist. That's not, for me, for me, that was, it was a different calling. Those things led me to being a pastor. For some of you in this room who are teachers, that is your calling on your life. And the Holy Spirit has put you in that moment and is guiding you in that moment to do incredible ministries. But the good thing about being in a relationship with God, the good thing about being in a relationship with the Holy Spirit is that you are not doing this on your own. 
And so the second, third way we are guided by God is through his church. Through his church. Through the body of believers. We are reminded that we are not alone, and I love this. God has put you in a community of people. The person next to you, to the right, in front of you, behind you, has put you in a community of people who want you to be in this room. You see, whether you're a small group leader or you uh, lead another ministry, you serve behind the scenes, or you're in this room or outside this room in a home together, you are in a community of people who love God. And what's really cool about this, and what's really, it's a good reminder, is that God doesn't just speak to me and speak to the pastors, he speaks to you as well. He speaks to you. And what better way that we can be guided through God is through by his people. It says in Proverbs, Fools think of their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. It says again, plans are established by seeking his advice. Proverbs 20, verse 18. I am so grateful for the friends that I have got to know, not just in this church, but in the churches in the past, because ultimately our decisions we make is our decisions. But it's a lot better when we have those around us who can help us in those decisions that we can go for advice, that we can, we can bring our needs and our desires to somebody else who loves us and somebody else who knows us. You see, what's really cool about this moment, there's a verse that I love. It's one of my favorite verses. It's Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It's one of my most encouraging verses. It's a verse that I want students to understand and I want churches to understand. Is It says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run this race, perseverance, the race marked out for us. This beautiful reminder that we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Do you know what the church is? Do you know what the church is? It's a place where God dwells. His people is a place where people love God and desire him. I worked at an IT office in college. I've worked at a bank. I've worked at a coffee shop. And in those jobs, in those places, in those communities, I've had people that, that are really great people. I've had people that are not so great people. And I've had relationships that were built and trust and strong and had a great foundation. I've had relationships that came and gone. But one of the things I've seen in the church, in the body of believers, is a relationship that's more than just proximity. It's a relationship that's more than just, oh, we're here together. Oh, we get paid to be here. What I see in the church is a body of people that desire one mission and are connected by way more than just being here, way more than just Sunday morning at 10.30, way more than just, oh, we are, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of grown up here. We are connected through this incredible supernatural power that Christ brings through his church. And that right there, to me, is one of the most incredible ways that we are guided through God, and it's by his people, and I'm so thankful for you. And you should be thankful for the church, because right now, wherever you're going through, we have people in this room that are praying for you, that love you, that want to be there and help you in what you're going through. You have this opportunity. What I love so much um, is uh, the symbolism of baptism, you know, the practice of baptism. To me, right there, that idea and that, that practice, to me, is one of the most beautiful things about baptism, is that it's an acknowledgement that you are now part of a long history of believers that have gone for you for thousands of years that have done the exact same thing you have done and are connected through God. And I love this because it means that those before you, the great cloud of witnesses that we read there in Hebrews chapter 12, have been baptized, have done the same thing, have gone in the water, been raised. And what's amazing about that is Christ himself was baptized. 
And so I say that to say this, is that one of the cool things that I say whenever I have the opportunity to baptize someone and I, they come out of the water, they're, they're drying their hair off and all that stuff, one of the things I tell them is, welcome to the family. Welcome to the family. This beautiful reminder that they're not doing this on their own, that they are now part of a family of people who love and care for them and want to help them guide them. And if you've never been baptized, again, Kyle said it earlier, we have this incredible opportunity at Easter to do this, to take that step of faith, to make it public to the world, to your family, to your church, that you are now a Christ believer. So if you've never been baptized, I would love to have that conversation with you. And so we could do that today, we could do that sometime, but I just think that's an important aspect to this idea of how does God guide us? He does it through his church. Another way he does it is through common sense. <laughs> There's a laugh because you understand this. There's this, I love this quote. This is Oswald Chambers in his book, My Utmost for His Highest. And I love his book and his devotional. And he says this, to be so much in contact with God that you never need to ask him to show you his will is to be the nearing final stage of your discipline in the life of faith. When you are rightly related to God, it is a life of freedom and liberty and delight. You are God's will and all your common sense decisions are his will for you unless he checks. You decide things in perfect delight, friendship with God, knowing that if your decisions are wrong, he will always check. And when he checks, stop at once. <laughs> I mean, how beautiful is that? You see, God made us to be thinking and calculated beings. He's given us reason. He's given you a brain to use. He's given you the experiences you have. He's given you free will to choose. And he's given this, this conscience to, to, to guide us. You understand what this means. You understand what it means to, to have something inside you that makes a decision regardless of any other type of like advice giving, any other type of, of, of reaching out. You know when you make a decision, sometimes right away if it's a right or wrong decision. And God has given you that ability. God is in charge and, and, and he's working on what is right and what is wrong. He has that. If we want to look at that, if we want to know what is right and wrong according to God's will, we look at this. But I guarantee that he's also given you the ability to know right and wrong from reading that, from digging into the Holy Spirit and using your common sense. You know. You know. Paul writes in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 7, reflect on what I'm saying, all of what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all this. He's saying, in other words, use your mind, and as you're thinking, God will guide you. For me, that's so important to understand because so many times I can get into my head and I can start thinking way, way too many different things. But I know when I center myself on what God wants, some of those like decisions that I go back and forth on have a pretty easy answer. They're pretty easy. It's love people, right? If I have a decision between not loving someone and loving someone, it's to love someone. It's very common sense. If I have a decision between doing something that will better those around me, I don't need to go into God's word to know that. I know that from the common sense that he has given me, the reason that he has given me. And he's also given you gifts and talents and abilities. And so he encourages you to use those gifts, those talents, those abilities, and wherever you're at in your ministry, wherever you're at in your job, whatever you're doing, he has put you there for a reason. And he knows that you will use your common sense in those aspects. He will, he will use you in the way that you are at, the place that you are at, through your reason, through your own mind. So I love that he's given us this is to help us guide us. But he's also given us a fifth thing. He's also give us, given us the circumstances that we have, the circumstances that we are in. 
You see, God is sovereign. He rules and reigns in this world. He is in charge, and he works all things out. Paul writes in one of the best verses in, in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I love what he writes here. This is Paul writing this, and he says, And we know. And we know. Think about that for a second. This is Paul writing to the church. And he's written to many churches, and he's written to many different situations, good, bad, and the ugly. And he says that we know, I know, you know, that in all things God is working out for the good of those who love him. In everything in your life, God is working for the good. That means in some of the mistakes and in some of the bad things we've done, God is working out for the good. And if you're asking the question, you know, how does God guide us? He's already working. He's already doing it. Before you even ask that question, how does God guide us? He has already done the good work before you even begin this journey. And what's really cool about this is that as you go in life, as you work, as you, as you follow God's will, as you, as you experience the things that life brings, one of the things you will see is, is you will clearly see God opening doors. You will clearly see God moving. There are times in your life, I don't know about you, but there are times in your life where you look back and you, wow, how is this even possible? How am I where I'm at right now? How did I get here? And some of that times, it's, it's encouraging. You think, wow, Lord, thank you so much for opening those doors. And that may not be your reaction, but I hope that moving forward, that is your reaction. When something so amazing happens that your reaction is, wow, Lord, thank you so much for your guidance. And there are times where doors close. There are times where it's difficult. There are times where it's hard. There are times where we don't understand and we look back. I don't know how that's possible. God, help me in this. But I want you to understand something. He is doing things. He is working out for the good of those who love him. And sometimes we can see that. Sometimes we can't, and so we have to trust. And so that question, how does God guide you? I want to encourage you, encourage you to first don't look back. Don't look back with regret. Don't look back with worry. Look up and trust that God is moving and guiding you. He's guiding through a scripture. He's guiding you through the Holy Spirit. He's guiding you through those in this room and those in the church. He's guiding you through your own logic and your own reason. He's guiding you through the circumstances that he puts you in, that you put yourself in. Your life will make a difference. It will make a difference. A lot of us will make a huge impact on this world. And if you feel like, oh, that's not me, it's somebody else, I guarantee you, you're going to make an impact on someone. You will make an impact on someone. And it's going to be a huge impact, I hope, and I pray that as you ask that question, how does God guide you, you see that he's guiding you to love him, to love people, to make an impact. I read this story um, of, a, of a man named Sir Nicholas Winton. He was 106 years old when he died in 2015. In December 1938, he was a young stockbroker on vacation in Prague, and he saw the Nazi occupation, and he realized the Jewish families there were in jeopardy. And in three weeks' time, thousands of uh, parents were interviewed. And in that interview, over the next nine months, Sir Nicholas Winton arranged for 664 Jewish children who would otherwise have been killed in the Holocaust to be transported to what's being called, what was called the kinder transport to Great Britain. He managed to persuade the home security there to allow them in there. He found families who would foster them and take care of them. He forged permits to get them over the border of Czechoslovakia. 
And he placed them in, with families there and will save them. What's cool is that when the war, war broke out, he became a fighter pilot and absolutely forgot what he did. He just forgot. He went so into mode of, of fighting for the war that he forgot what he did. He didn't even tell his wife about it later on. And 50 years later, in 1988, his wife was in the attic and came across the suitcase. A suitcase with letters from all the children and all the parents that wrote and pictures of people. And his wife told this journalist, this television host there in Britain, Esther Ratson, and they tracked down some of the children and invited them to a studio of her show without telling him. And so he went, he was invited to the studio, he's sitting in the front row, totally unaware of the reason why he's there, and he's placed next to this woman named Vera Gissing, who was one of the children. And until that moment in the studio, in that show, her, along with him, and any other children in that room had no idea what was about to happen. They had no idea who saved them, had no idea who rescued them. And then this happened. What an incredible moment. What an incredible moment. The moment that he realizes the impact that he made. Because he followed this, this, this guidance inside. And for some of you, you have that in you. You've been asked to do something incredible, and that's to love God and love others. And for some of us, we will follow his guidance. And I pray that as you do this, that one day God will say to you, stand up, turn around, and see the impact that you've made through his leading, through his guidance. For some of you, have invited someone to church before. You've invited someone here. And I pray as you do that, you will see the impact that you make on their lives. I, for some of our small group leaders that serve in ministries and serve and, and love on children, I pray that one day you will see the impact that you make on those children. So some of us, we just are just a kind voice, kind word to someone in the grocery store. And I pray that that makes an impact on their day. You see where I'm coming with this? Because I hope that as you ask that question, how does God guide you? I hope that you see he's guiding you to do something incredible, to respond in him way, to respond to his word through, through the Holy Spirit, through, through respond, being guided in all these different ways so that one day he will say to you, turn, stand up, turn around, see the impact that you've made.
I want to pray for us. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much. And Lord, I thank you obviously for the message today and just the reminder of, of how you guide us. We're a lot, we, have do a, we go through a lot of stuff, good and small, big and, and wide, Lord. But I do know that, Lord, I'm so thankful for the fact that you have already done the work for us. That you have already moved in our life to put us in a place that we are at. And so when we do ask that question, how do you guide us? When we do figure out what does that mean in our life, Lord, I pray that you make it very clear to us. There are times in our life where we'll just need scripture. There are times in our life where we'll just need the church. There are times in our life where we'll need all five of these things. But I do know, Lord, that you have put us on this place, on this earth, to respond to you, to love you, and to love those around us. So I put that challenge on our, on our church today, on myself, Lord, that we can leave today making an impact to those around us, Lord. Lord, thank you so much for your son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.